The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. That disaster that struck uh, the Libyan city of Derna, particularly, and other parts of Libya, but particularly Derna, was caused by that huge storm which dumped eight months of rain in just one day on uh, that part of the country. The death toll is now well over 11,000 people and it is probably going to rise. Joining me now is Executive Director of UNICEF in Ireland, Peter Parr. Peter, good morning. Good morning, Pat. You have uh, people on the ground in Libya. What can you tell us uh, of the latest situation? Yeah, we've a presence in Libya since 1957, so we've uh, a good team on the ground there. Uh, the situation, where the real picture is beginning to emerge now, Pat, both in Derna, the city that people would have seen, the images emanate from, but also the, the whole region itself, I should just add, has been devastated by a hurricane-like storm. But obviously, the main concern relates to Derna, where a tsunami-like wall of rain just washed away a quarter of the entire city in minutes. So the concentration of, I hate hate to say, tragically, deaths all in in, in associated neighbourhoods is a real tragedy for all those people Mm. who lost their lives. But you're talking about entire families, extended families, neighbourhoods just gone and many thousands of people washed into the sea. So the picture is emerging of a real catastrophe here. It would be as if a wall of water came down, say, in in Dublin all the way through from Chapel Is It and wiped out all of the keys and the the centre of the city. That's what we have to imagine. A wall of water about the size of a Georgian building. And the force of that uh, water travelling at speed from height, I mean, nothing could survive, something like that. And of course, a quarter of the city was wiped away, tens of thousands of people washed into the sea. But the uh, what's left or what is left is nothing in certain areas of the city, but real destruction uh, and a real uncertain future for the tens of thousands of people remaining. So... Tens of thousands of people actually washed into the sea. Um, We don't know how many of those will have survived because I'm sure even trying to do a head count, trying to get families to account for their family members uh, who might have been going about their business, not necessarily at home and no sign of them. Yeah, and the problem is when you talk about extended family members, entire families, you know, entire houses literally were, were just brushed out into the sea, such was the force of uh, the, the catastrophe. So we're doing a needs assessment with our partners uh, on the ground, including the Libyan Red Crescent. Uh, we're getting a full assessment of what's needed, but the immediate catastrophe uh, is huge for those people and there's uh, large amounts of stagnant water right throughout the city now. Uh, and of course and the problem cons- of disease perhaps. Uh, we're very concerned about cholera and uh, waterborne diseases and a secondary emergency but obviously a lot of people have also lost their homes so immediate, the immediate needs would be shelter uh, trying to provide accommodation, tarpaulins, tents, trying to get those into what is, I should say, a complex situation. It's difficult. Then clean water, uh, water purification tablets, uh, medicines, uh, that sort of thing are, are the absolute immediate needs over the coming days. Mm. The, uh, has, have the water subsided, do we know? But there's, because, I mean, this was an accident that need not have happened had the dams been uh, properly built and then subsequently properly maintained. Now, Maybe they would have given way under the the weight of such a volume of water, um, as I say, so much rain in such a short time. Maybe they would have given way, but uh, certainly neglect of maintenance is uh, part of the problem. 
There's no question about that. The uh, Because Libya has been in civil conflict now for 10 years, there has been chronic underinvestment in infrastructure and social services. The country is not in a good place. Competing governments, competing authorities in different parts of the country. There's no question that they were contributing factors uh, to the absolute catastrophe that has happened here. These dams should not have failed. Uh, and and the, 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 the crying shame is that there were multiple warnings that uh, these dams were under stress and they should have had remedial mm. works in recent years. I mean, sometimes, uh, and we, we had that discussion some years ago in Cork about yes, um, yes. whether the ESB should have released water in order to mm. avoid uh, flooding, which is what they have to do. You, you, you know, rather than have a, a dam burst, you have a controlled release of water, which might have affected uh, maybe some populations, but they would have been told in a properly ordered society, listen, we're going to do this. The rains are torrential, the pressure's mounting, we're going to release water from the dams, evacuate these streets as we do it. It would have been a controlled release, but that did not happen. Correct. And one of the criticisms outside of the lack of investment in the two dams was the fact that there was no warning that this may indeed happen. So at least people downstream uh, could have got out of the way. And that unfortunately wasn't in the place. When you make the comparison to Cork, you know, can you imagine something, you know, multiples of the scale of what happened in Cork a few years ago? Now, the, the question of the two jurisdictions, um, has UNICEF a, present in, a presence in both? Yes, we do. In fact, our people are on the ground now in the east of the country, in uh, Benghazi, Tobruk, and in Derna itself. Our uh, head of operations is in Derna, working with our partners on the ground, carrying out a needs assessment. And we obviously, our head office is in Tripoli. But there are two authorities in charge of different parts of the country in the east uh, under uh, Mr. Hafner. Uh, that is under completely separate control from the government. So getting humanitarian across the line of control between both competing authorities is going to be a complex, difficult operation in and of itself. But we have people on the ground in the area now. Now, the, the, the question of that access, I mean, given the destruction of infrastructure, Um, even if you get the stuff, and I'm sure given the scale of this tragedy, there will be no shortage of materials from the UN and from other aid agencies, but simply getting it into position. That's true. That's the big question now because our global humanitarian warehouse in uh, Copenhagen, that's already mobilised. We're already getting the materials down into uh, Tripoli, getting them across, uh, again, negotiating across the line of control will be exceptionally difficult. But I mean, these are what our specialists do and specialists from other agencies. They're good at this sort of thing. And I do understand that there has been a degree of cooperation, such as obviously the human nature of this tragedy. There has been a degree of cooperation between the two competing authorities Mm. because humanitarian aid should have no real political boundary, of course. Mm. Um, I've heard some reporting suggesting that uh, this in this terrible disaster might be a force for political good that the country in some way might unite. Um, But, you know, time passes a week or two and suddenly old animosities return. I... I don't know if I'd hold my breath on on that, Pat. I mean, the the situation in the country has been really disastrous. Ironically, the country is rich in natural resources, if you call oil a natural resource, but uh, the country should be wealthy, it should be stable, it should be able to provide services for the people. Uh, But because civil conflict is a desperate uh, holdback, a barrier to social progress and infrastructure progress. And of course, the poorest people uh, are the ones who will ultimately uh, be affected. So there are huge challenges in Libya. I can think of fewer places in the world 
worst equipped to handle a catastrophe of this nature, given the geographical and political difficulties and contexts at play here. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the oil industry, uh, that they produce over a million barrels a day in normal circumstances. Yeah. I'm not sure how much of that is disrupted and when it can resume. But the wealth is being generated. So where is it going? Well, I find it hard to comment on that because... Um, I, I, I'm not au fait with the situation on the ground. We're more focused uh, not on the political but on the humanitarian context. But it is, you know, it is a legitimate question, not, not just here but right around the world. Good governance. We see it in so many countries. In Haiti at the moment, right beside it, on the same island, in the Caribbean, in the Dominican Republic, a perfectly functioning democracy, yeah. perfectly functioning services. And right down the middle of the island on the East, on the western side of the island is is a state that's failing. So governance... It's always is, been a mystery to me how those two countries can share that island and on one side of the island it's completely dysfunctional. There are warlords, gang uh, leaders, uh, drugs problems, um, problems of governance. You, you get a new saviour coming along who's going to lead the people out of the darkness and it inevitably fails. I, I have been there on a number of occasions, Pat, to, to fly over from the... Uh, uh, the Dominican Republic and literally straight down the island, all the trees are gone. Uh, and it comes down to one word, uh, governance, poor governance is the difference between a stable functioning country and one that isn't. So the the, the problems for Libya, there's the immediate um, effort to provide humanitarian relief. And uh, I mean, hospitals have been washed away. Yes. So how are they coping? Are there field hospitals and, and where do you put them? Because the centre of the city is just gone. Correct. Uh, a number of hospitals have been washed away, a number of health centres, schools, other municipal authorities, which is going to compound the the issue here. Some field hospitals on the outskirts have been uh, set up and some people, uh, thir- there are 30,000 internally displaced people just as of now, and there were previous to this catastrophe. Uh, accommodation will be uh, needed for them. Uh, Health facilities will be needed for them on an ongoing basis. We're going to start a vaccination campaign for children very, very shortly, providing medical supplies. Tents are going to be an immediate concern. Tarpaulins, blankets, things like that on the ground are the most immediate concerns of people. And of course, clean water and nutrition will be vital in the coming weeks. And um, terrible uh, deficits in simple things like body bags for all the people who have died. And one imagines that because so many were swept out to sea that bodies will be washing up in the region for some time to come. Yes, very sadly for for many weeks to come. And it, it it doesn't really bear thinking of all we can do now is focus on to try and relieve the humanitarian catastrophe that has befallen not just there now, but uh, uh, northern and eastern Libya itself. And it really is, again, if one were needed, a wake up call that this area does not get hurricanes. It got one last Sunday and that combined with the infrastructure deficits we discussed earlier on, that combination of man-made climate change, uh, poor governance, poor infrastructure has killed literally thousands of people. It's a tragedy. Um, There is an educated class in Libya, um, a sophisticated class, and uh, um, you wonder, you know, why the poor inevitably are those who suffer in all of these catastrophes. 
Yes, it's, you know, in, in, in so many countries in which we operate, uh, the, these are the contexts and you just have to accept them and, and work around them, work through uh, the systems. Uh, in, I could list numerous countries that are facing the same problems right now, but Libya is, a, is, is unique in the sense that whatever about the previous governance under President uh, Hussein, the, uh, the country has the capacity to develop into a middle and high income country with mm -hmm. all of the social services, all of the infrastructure necessary. Uh, it's got wealth in the country. Uh, but unfortunately, civil conflict uh, has been a major contributory factor here. Yeah, and uh, nobody making an international initiative to try and sort it out. I mean, I'm not sure who the the honest broker would be in trying to uh, create a peace in, in Libya and some sort of united uh, government. Uh, would it be the Saudis? Well, well our, our colleagues on the ground, uh, our sister colleagues in, in, in UN sister agencies and the United Nations itself has been working to try and move things forward, albeit very, very uh, slowly. And maybe, as you said earlier on, Pat, this could be the catalyst for the country to say, listen, we, we need to unite here. We need to come together. Uh, this just can't happen again. Uh, but it is a, quite a complex, challenging situation. Mm. I, I presume say. you're fundraising for uh, your initiatives in Libya? We are. Yes, we issued a, a, an urgent appeal. I think the short term immediate needs are huge. I think I've outlined those. But I think this is a situation that's going to last for months and indeed uh, years ahead. It's going to be quite, uh, this is quite a big uh, catastrophe that has happened and befallen Derna in, uh, in Libya. All right, Peter Bauer, Executive Director of UNICEF in Ireland. Thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.